He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock, and we're here to report everything that's going on, or as much as we can. And this is a TriCast, uh, WABC uh, 770 in, in Midtown, and uh, 970 AM, The Answer, and WLIR. And in the studio with us, we have Judge Richard Weinberg, a common-sense uh, Democrat. And uh, we have Ed Cox, 10 years chairman of uh, the uh, New York State uh, Republican Party. Uh, so we have both sides. Also, the the guy, along with John Faso, that, that won on redistricting to get the right deal done for all citizens. Fair districts. Fair, fair and square. And my sidekick, Lydia Serrani, that keeps kicking me. I don't know why. I didn't do anything, you know. But, uh, you know, I'm starting to feel the hurt. Uh, Lydia, we have a great show. Absolutely. We're going to be speaking with Paul Lunsis about the economy. It is uh, one wild ride. So hold on. We'll talk to Bert Flickinger. He's an inflation expert. Keep it right here to find out what else is going to be And also, Dr. Michalos is going to be talking about a possible universal cancer vaccine, possible. And then we'll speak to uh, Sergeant uh, Joseph Jacalone. Uh, he's Exodus a form- of the Police Department of New York. Absolutely. Uh, and what now we have? We have Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly is a prolific author, a journalist, historian, and he has a show here, Monday through Friday, WABC Radio, 9, 9 o'clock, 9 p.m., Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly, his latest book, Killing the Killers, an excellent read. Bill O'Reilly, welcome back to Cats at Night. Hey, guys. How you all doing today? Oh, I scratched my head. I mean, we all took a bath in the market today, for sure. Uh, the market was down over 1,000 points at one point, but it closed down, uh, I don't know, about 875. But uh, the big question in Washington, I had an argument with one of our reporters today, I won't tell you who, that uh, 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 the person reported that uh, uh, the – Associated Press was reporting that Trump possible indictment. I said, that's a lot of crap. I said, the, the Department of Justice, what did the Department of Justice ever say? The Department of Justice investigated and found nothing cr- that he was criminally liable for. Now, who do we want to believe, the Department of Justice or Nancy Pelosi? Well, it's not going to be any indictment. Federal, you know, in New York, they're still trying anything they can to charge uh, Trump with a felony on business matters. I don't even think that's going to happen. Possible, though, uh, because even if they lose in New York, it doesn't hurt Letitia James, the attorney general. Whereby if the Biden administration goes after Trump, that becomes a historical debacle. And already Biden is collapsing. I mean, if you look at David Axelrod over the weekend, he was the top guy in the Obama campaign. He basically said, Democratic Party does not want Biden to run again. And that's strong stuff. And the Republican Party, there's certain people in the Republican Party don't want uh, uh, Trump to run again. Yeah, it's about 50-50, I think, in the Republican Party. But Trump still controls the money in the party, and he also controls the primary situation because it would be very difficult for any contender to primary Donald Trump. So say DeSantis decides to take him on. Well, he's going to alienate half of the Republican Party voters, right? 
because half of them will root for Trump, at least. It looks like right so, now is a three-way race is Trump, Pompeo, and uh, DeSantis. And DeSantis you know, has been, uh, has been moving on. Yes, go ahead. Pompeo and DeSantis aren't going to run against Trump. There's no way on the planet they will because DeSantis is a young guy. He doesn't want to alienate 50% of the party, so he'll wait. If Trump gets in and Pompeo, no way on earth Pompeo is going to primary Donald Trump. They're buddies. Now, Pence might, but Pence would get steamrolled. He could never beat Trump. Agreed. So it's the, the nomination will go to Trump unless there's something unforeseen. Yeah. Yeah. In the Republican uh, Bill, uh, there's one person who can beat Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Donald exactly. Trump. Yeah. All right. We all know that. <laughs> And um, but we're talking about the general election, not not the primary system. Yeah. So yeah. I expect Trump and he's raised more than 100 million already. So why is he raising 100 million? Um, he's raising it to run. I expect him to run. And then he has to square off against an unknown Democrat with the the party in disarray. The Democratic Party is in disarray. I don't know if people understand that. Um, it, it is a debacle financially. The economy is hurting every single American. The open border leading to deaths, overdose deaths that we've never seen. Social justice has ruined criminal justice. Uh, climate change has ruined the American uh, economy and spurred inflation. I mean, what what on earth would the Democrats run against? What would they run on? They've done nothing to improve this nation. Well, in fact, tax revenues are the highest level in the history of this country, and Biden wants to then raise them again. This is just insanity. This isn't bad policy. This is insane policy. So Trump's sitting back there, and he's watching all this. You're absolutely correct. If, if he wanted to be – I don't know if he really wants to be president again, but if he did, he'd stop the election stuff right away and look to the future and just run on his economic record. That's what he would do, but he's not doing it. Now, uh, it doesn't seem like it's been a fair and square uh, thing at, at the January 6th hearings. Uh, no. some, people have, some people have called for some, some cross-examination. Uh, no, how, how do we get, get cross-examination? That's, that's not fair and balanced. They had over 20 million viewers. Seven percent of the American they were people. All drunk. <laughs> Every one of them was intoxicated. We've done a study. Um, Certified. Look, the usual uh, viewership for State of the Union address, for example, is about forty million. For yeah. our presidential debate, it's about eighty million. Uh, One hundred and thirty-two million homes in America. Ninety-seven percent of television, and all you can rustle up is twenty million. Uh, that's not a real big showing. And again, 90% of the 20 million were ha- Trump haters, and they just want to hate them. And it's fun to hate them, so I'm going to watch people hating them. That's what it's all about. Yep. yep. Bill, it's Richard Weinberg. It was another irresponsible hearing. It's led by Schiff and, uh, and Raskin, and they make these accusations that this is indictable. That's not the role of the legislative branch of government to, to make that And why did the Associated Press pick it, up, pick it up like that? Well, that's because what, that's what they're saying. So they're just reporting what Schiff is saying and what... Uh, but then people look at it and they, they think it's legitimate and it's a lot of crap. Right. 
There's no evidence well, to support it. It's not their role. Other than that, it's just perfect. Happiness Trump will ride this out. Liz Cheney will lose her job in Wyoming. That's a given. CNN will sign her as a contributor. That's a given. Oh, we're well, we're losing her. Maybe we'll call you. Call us back, or we'll call you back. Well, that's uh, you know. So, in the meantime, before we get him back on, are you surprised to see that the hit on Kavanaugh? The attempt on his life was completely ignored over the weekend. Not a single Sunday show mentioned it. The story is ignored. And AOC and Pelosi, they're still blocking security members for well, the Supreme Court justices. I will tell you, and they're marching uh, as we speak right okay. now outside their homes. I will tell you, I'm getting calls from friends of mine who are federal judges saying they're absolutely outraged that the House representatives under Pelosi have not built, moved the bills coming from the Senate with respect to protection of the Supreme Court justices as well as uh, the lower court federal judges. I repeat that's a bill. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, we were just talking about, are you surprised to see that the uh, mainstream media outlets completely ignored the assassination attempt on Kavanaugh? And right now, as we speak, there's still people protesting outside of Amy Comey Barrett's home and Justice Kavanaugh's home, and Biden has yet to condemn it. Yeah, Biden doesn't even know what's happening. I mean, you know, <laughs> if you look at Biden's schedule today, he shows up at the White House about 1230. He takes four-day weekends. I don't know if anybody noticed, but I do his schedule on the No Spin News, which runs on uh, WABC at 9 p.m. every day. Biden had nothing on his schedule today. He left Rehoboth about 1115. He waltzes in. He has lunch. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't know what's going on. But here's the thing. It's Pelosi that's stopping this. That's um, correct. You know, she's stopping any legislation that would be drawn up by the House that would prohibit people from uh, demonstrating outside the homes of public officials. So Pelosi is doing it. Um, Everybody knows it. When this comes down, which is either going to be next week or the week after, that's going to throw abortion back to the states. And that will happen, I I think. then you're going to get into a real danger zone. Then you're going to get the loons who, you know, I don't think they're going to break through because the marshal's presence is still very heavy in front of the Supreme Court homes. U.S. marshals are there in, in big numbers. But, you know, you would think that a, a politician like Nancy Pelosi would anticipate that the violence is going to be up and pass this, uh, you know, introduce this thing for a vote. But she doesn't. So, again, um, this is what's happening. That's the truth. No two sides of the story. And it just reflects very poorly on the Democratic Party. And there was a lead editorial on today's Wall Street Journal bill saying, God forbid there would be an assassination of a justice in the Supreme Court of the United States. It would be one of the most divisive things to happen in the history of our country. It's almost unspeakable that that would happen. And then Biden would get to a point a liberal judge and you know you can just imagine so you know this thing is uh the whole country right now is a volcano uh there's a social civil war an incompetent president a former president that is hated uh in many precincts it's a it's a real volcano in america and now the economy is going to go into recession it's going to absolutely happen And working people are falling further and further behind. And we still have two and a half years of Joe Biden. Now, it's possible that he may not make it in the sense that he would resign for health reasons. 
And I'm hearing that's what some in the Democratic Party want him to do, because they know the longer he stays in office, the worse it's going to be for the country. You take any solace in uh, the vice president of the United States presently uh, situated as the, the new president? Well, she'd be a caregiver, certainly is not um, anyone who could defeat a viable Republican candidate for the presidency. Her numbers are lower than Biden's. And I don't know what is what the problem is with uh, Vice President Harris, but she seems to be very detached from reality, not like Biden. It's, it's not the same thing, but she doesn't seem to understand the essential problems in the country. And very inarticulate, can't make a point, has no real passion. So she could sit there for a couple of years. She wouldn't, she would be more effective than Biden himself, but the country wouldn't improve, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree 100%. She has, uh, she doesn't have a clue what's going on. Uh, we have a minute left before uh, going on. Anything else you want to say, Bill O'Reilly? Well, my monologue at 9 o'clock tonight is about the NYPD, and, and they're 2,000 down from 2019 with the surging violent crime rate. And so, we're going to be so, talking to somebody, uh, listen to us uh, in about 10 minutes, that's going to talk about yeah. the exodus of the New York Police Department. And I make it personal because my grandfather was NYPD and signed on after World War One, and back then it was a very prestigious job. Today... Cops are abused, and particularly in New York City. And that's why it's hard to recruit good people. And way underpaid, Bill, and nobody, compared to no, the what's suburbs. Worse, what's worse is under-respected. nobody's watching their back. They feel right. that, uh, you know, they'll lose their pension, they'll lose their mortgage, they'll lose their life. Exactly. Bill O'Reilly, I'll be listening in between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock on WABCradio.com. And 77 WABC on iPhones and 770 on your AM dial. Thank you so much. All right, John. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you. Bye. Now, uh, we, do we, we have Paul Lutz. Yep, he's on the a, line. An investment, uh, what do we call you, Paul? An investment <laughs> advisor. That's right. That's and it. Uh, what happened to Bitcoin? I, I looked up on the screen, it was like 22,000, 23,000, like down 6,000 points. Do people realize that they're full of crap? <laughs> they're full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's um, it all started it all started last week on Friday um, when the Fed announced that uh, the consumer price index, a basket of goods and services, was uh, up 8.6 percent year over year. March was 8.5, April was 8.3, and then May was 8.6. So. Inflation has, you know, hit a four-decade high, um, rising to that 8.6% from a year ago. It's the fastest rise since 1981, and that's really, really scared people. And economists and a lot of these um, academics can talk all they want. The reality is it's really, really hitting people every day in their pocketbooks, trying to fill up their gas tanks, um, going out and buying food. Um, natural gas, their heating bills, the way natural gas is going. So, and gas could go to $150, $160. Uh, and oil could go to $150, $160. Well, so, you know, I may disagree with you on that, but we'll, we'll talk ahead. Keep talking. I just think, I, I just think, John, at the end of the day, 
Um, the challenges are, are enormous, and, and the Fed is really – they're doing two things. They're raising rates. Uh, they meet uh, today, tomorrow and uh, Wednesday, June 14th, 15th, July 26th and 27th, and September 20th and 21. And they were talking about raising um, interest rates 50 basis points, the Fed funds rate, in the first two meetings, June, July, and then maybe doing nothing in September or 25. Well, now – People are saying they might even do 75 on June 14th, 15, on, on the 15th. I don't think so. Is that tomorrow or Wednesday? It's Wednesday. They'll make the announcement 2 o'clock on Wednesday. Um, but now they're saying for sure 50, 50, and 50, all three meetings. But the second thing, which I've talked about in the past that's even more concerning, is reducing their balance sheet. Um, $95 billion per month beginning in September, and they realize that it's going to be challenging. And Fed Chairman Powell has already said they don't really know what the ramifications are going to be because they've never had a balance sheet this big, um, and they've never really done this. So they're going to do $47.5 billion each of the first three months or half the 95 in June, July, and August. So it's a, it's a very scary time. Mortgage demand has dropped to the lowest in 22 years because rates have more than doubled from 265 for a 30-year mortgage to approaching 6%. Lumber prices have gone from 1700 as a result to 5600 Credit card, card debt, um, you know, it's risen $17.8 billion in April, the second most ever, and 25.6 in March, the highest ever. So people are using their credit cards to pay for a lot of typical for services, you know, food, gas, et cetera. So the economy is really, you know, in a challenging time. And what's scary is if they continue to raise rates and liquidate that balance sheet, you know, we could go into a recession. Paul, it's uh, Richard Weinberg. What, do, what does the average investor do in a market like this? You know, you just what you try and do is you make sure you own really high quality companies on the equity side. We've been buying some uh, preferred issues on the other side. The yields have been going as high as 10, 11, and 12 percent. They're safe. They're investment grade. The dividends are qualified, which means they're taxed at cap gains rates. That's a really interesting area for us. But on the equity side, we haven't done a whole lot on the stock side. We're being patient. We don't know if it's over or when it'll be over, but we're going to hold on to what we own. And if prices continue to decline, we'll typically buy more of what we already own, and there's new opportunities coming. Don't forget, a lot of stocks, many stocks have declined, 60 and 70 and 80 percent. But they were from at valuations that were insane. So it's a little misleading to say it's down 70 percent. Some break, breaking news on my part. I mean, uh, you said some people are predicting $150 oil. I will give you – you know, I've been more right than wrong. Uh, no, I, I, I agree think, with you. know oil a lot better than I do, John. I think <laughs> it'll top out no more than 125, 130. And at that point, the rate of inflation will – the rate will start to drop. And whatever damage has been done already has been done. And if the rate drops, then maybe the Fed might have a oh, crap moment. But, you know, John, uh, you know you know it a lot better than I do, so I defer to you. But I would just say when you read comments of Biden attacking Exxon and, 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 and the comments no that have been – He has no clue. Paul, he has no clue. Yep. yep. Well, Paul, Lunches, we're going to have you on again, but thank you so much. And we're going to our friend uh, Bert that uh, me and you have coffee with sometimes. Great. Thank you. Thank have you. a great day. Bert, Bert Flickinger, are you there? Our specialist yes, in consumer area – Food consumers, tell us what the what what uh, and we had your friend Paul on talking to us about the markets. 
what should consumers be aware of? I understand. I hear a little birdie was telling me there's going to be shortages. You know, the, the kids are starving because there's shortages in, in formula. Uh, I heard that you won't be able to wipe your rear because uh, there might be shortages in toilet paper. Tell us what else. John, uh, as you referenced, baby food formula, pet food, seafood, uh, canned food, canned f- fruits and vegetables, uh, bathroom tissue, facial tissue, paper towels, pasta, wine and whiskey, cookies and crackers, salt wine? and snacks. Wine? Turkey, wine? <laughs> wine shortage of bottles. Uh, <laughs> ah, and, and bad, the bottles. Bad, bad, bad crop uh, for, uh, from... Uh, soil moisture be, uh, being 50 to 70 percent below normal uh, droughts worldwide. Turkey, chicken, eggs, uh, beef. And, and just when you need a drink. Ga- natural gas shortages. Uh, farmers can't afford the fertilizer that's gone up 200 to 300 percent. And we're going we're gonna to have a crisis that people literally die this summer and winter from natural gas and energy shortages as there's a tariff war on solar panels so energy demands increasing 30 percent this decade and energy supply across all forms of energy are only going up 20 percent and in this country common sense has become completely uncommon so burt flickinger then this is all putin's fault right uh, well, <laughs> making, a, making a fortune lydia unloading natural gas in the boston harbor today to supply new england at a 600 percent premium versus what that same natural gas would cost from Pennsylvania or Ohio. Uh, But Cuomo and the New England governors have blocked the pipelines to take U.S. natural gas from the Marcellus Great Lakes region into New England. And Putin's profiting and and laughing at the same time while American consumers are suffering and and 60 percent are paycheck to paycheck. and, And the majority of Americans can't pay his or her bills working or uh, people on fixed and limited income, especially seniors and especially kids graduating from college this week with record amounts of debt. So, Bert Flickinger, what do you say to people that say, well, this isn't President Biden's fault. This is COVID. This is Putin. This is that. What are the factors that are causing all of these shortages? Seem like it seems to be all happening all at once. Uh, Lydia, as you know, politically, I'm an independent, but uh, regardless of which party's in power, you have to put in cabinet op- officers that have uh, operational and, and functional and practical experience, and that seems to be the missing link in cabinet officials today. So uh, energy uh, and a number of other uh, major major departments, uh, people, people have been career-long uh, office holders and uh, never, never – uh, Ran a tractor, ne- never, never ran an oil rig, never stopped. And that all yelling. runs on diesel fuel. Uh, Bert, yes, I, uh, I made a prediction, and uh, I'm going to give it by you a few minutes ago, that I think oil is going to top out at 125, 130. And at that point, the rate of inflation, the rate, ceases to go up because it's topped out. Uh, yeah, you think I'm more right than wrong, or you think I'm more wrong than right? More right than wrong, John. The issue, though, is you're right on energy, but agriculture is 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 so far impaired for crop year 2020 and crop year 2023 
that the uh, rate of increase that the United Nations has said in, in food has already increased 42 percent in the last year and a half will continue to go higher. As, as so bottom line, the damage is done by taking oil already from 55 all the way to 120, 125. Damage is, is done, and that damage will continue for the next six or seven quarters. Well, Bert Flickinger and me and you uh, and and Paul, we're, we're breakfast buddies, and uh, we say it the way it is, and uh, thank you so much. Thank you, and uh, Consumer Reports and our work there says switch to private label at Christides, D'Agostino, uh, Walmart, uh, Winco, Costco, Kroger across the country. You'll save, you'll save 5000 a year for a family of five switching to private label and the price-gouging national brands. So with cost of living up 10000 switching to private label, save you 5000 That's only halfway out, but it's the biggest way out. Well, thank you, Bert Flickinger. And uh, we're going to be taking a break. When we come back, we still have Ty McCoy, uh, which is going to be uh, talking about the attack on America. Uh, we have Joe Gucci-Oni about the exodus of the police department. And Dr. Peter Michalos to talk about a possible, a possible uh, cancer uh, vaccine. Let's take that break. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. Now on the line for us is we have Ty McCoy. He's the former U.S. Assistant Secretary of the Air Force. He's a graduate of West Point. And, Ed Cox, you know him as well. You bet. You uh, bet. Ty McCoy, you've got the latest for us when it comes to Ukraine. I mean, it's hard to believe that it's still ongoing. I know Russia thought it'd be a one, two, three punch, but they're still holding on. And, and I also t- I talked to Ty yesterday, and, I, you know, we put out a tweet about America's under attack in so many ways. And Ty wants us to talk about that, too. Thank you very much, John, and everyone. It's great to be with you as always, and the show is great and helps bring a lot into focus that is otherwise not very well messaged out to everyone. I've been following the Ukraine situation very closely, and uh, clearly the uh, Russian military uh, has bogged down. Uh, they thought there was going to be like a coup de main where they could swoop in uh, to the airport nearby and, and uh, decapitate the leadership of Ukraine and then use social media to scare the population into a quick submission and their troops in the long line would parade in from Belarus and, and Russia to uh, the capital and it would all be over with in a matter of a week or 10 days. So they very badly uh, underestimated the willingness of the Ukrainians to fight, as did our intelligence. We both, both intelligence, uh, Russian and U.S., very badly underestimated things. And when a country is willing to fight, then it shows that other countries uh, will come to their aid. Not always, but in this case, they, they did. And so we have been helping a lot. Uh, the Russians, nonetheless, have a great preponderance of resources, even though they're very disorganized. And they continue to throw their men and old tanks into the uh, slaughterhouse, and it is beginning to have a effect. They are grinding the Ukrainians back. The Ukrainians are taking very heavy casualties, and we're going to have to get more aid in there to them and give them some help 
on several other aspects of the fight as well. So, Ty, it's Ed Cox. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, trained in field artillery. That's uh, at ROTC. You were field Army field artillery officer in command and in combat. The Russians actually, in shifting to the eastern front there, they are relying on their artillery. Tell us about that and uh, the danger, what the artillery can do in this kind of a combat. Well, artillery is uh, nicknamed, as you know, uh, uh, Mayor Koch, the king of battle. The king of battle. That's it. king of battle, and, and it's uh, a, a very uh, interesting uh, type of branch. Uh, a lot of people forget about the artillery when they're talking about so many of the other modern things like cyber and space and electronic warfare and undersea and so forth. But artillery, uh, when it's massed, and they're wheel-to-wheel, and they're able to fire very quickly, and they're able to be supplied fairly quickly. Uh, they can just completely shut down various kinds of attacks. They can shut down a city, as we've seen. They can shut down ports. They can uh, block all of the logistics that you need to move food and troops. Uh, if they have the, uh, the targeting, if they have overhead like satellites, or drones that give them some targeting information, then they can lay down masses of fire. And unless the other side has either counter-battery radar, so they can pinpoint where the Russian fires are coming from, and also have their own artillery and have the support and the ammunition, then it becomes a very, very one-sided battle. And that is the way it's shaping up right now. And we need to uh, help them uh, think through what can be done under these circumstances because moving large uh, artillery pieces and howitzers and training uh, Ukrainian troops on them and supplying them is uh, going to take a little while. And so it's uh, we need to urgently continue supply, but at the same time uh, recognize the Russians uh, are uh, have fallen back on, on the strength that they have. And uh, that needs to be uh, – that strength needs to be undermined and addressed in some way. Um what say you about overall operations in the world? Is America under attack like we talked yesterday? Our legal system, our borders, our, our you know, drugs? I believe that we are, John. I think that uh, the, uh, the the axis of, of evil, as, as they were called a while back, has expanded. So, you know, now we have Russia and China very much uh, arm-in-arm with North Korea. Uh, supplying Iran, Iran supplying Venezuela, Venezuela and Cuba supplying Nicaragua and agreeing to have troops there. There was a meeting uh, on just the other day televised. Uh, uh, the uh, crooked and corrupt uh, president of Venezuela is in Iran meeting with the Ayatollah, uh, signing a 20-year deal to uh, support each other. So they're moving gold and oil and guns and terrorists and uh, their and and President Biden signed a, uh, a deal with them to ship uh, crude oil at $120 a barrel uh, from Iran and Venezuela to the European community. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we, we've let ourselves, by virtue of uh, the uh, confused and very dangerous policies, uh, combined together, both the foreign policy and the desertion of, of, of Afghanistan in such a fashion, together with domestic uh, policies to uh, undercut oil production in the United States, where we're independent, has now given us a great vulnerability, which our enemies are exploiting. So uh, the the constant uh, uh, 
multiplying effects of, of bad policy by uh, this administration are, are leaving the country uh, into a, a real uh, a real mess. And of course, we've been in a long term battle with uh, using uh, cyber warfare and spying and and technology transfer and sending in uh, fentanyl and drugs and illegal immigrants. Uh, we're under attack in many ways, whether it's the servers at IBM and Lockheed Martin, whether it's the southern border, whether it's the Confucius Institutes that have been paid for and, and hand out as, as real easy money to our academics and our institutions. Uh, in many ways, we're facing a threats, a multi-vector, multi-vector, not one or two or three or six, but 15 or 20 or 25, that if you were really sitting in Beijing or Moscow or Iran and Tehran and wargaming, what all of the different attributes of American strength need to be undermined, then they're, they're, they're busy undermining pretty much every one of them. Ty McCoy, thank you for calling in and bringing us all up to date, and we'll talk to you again real soon. You bet. Thank you thank very you. much, gentlemen. Lydia? Thank you. We're, we have to go to break, right? We're going to break, and then when we come back, we're going to speak to Joe Jackalone and talk about this mass exodus of NYPD officers. What's going on? Why is it happening? Keep it right here, Cats at Night. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Uno. He's your numero uno. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidi's Cats at Night Show. Now on the line for us is we have uh, Detective Sergeant Joe Jackalone. He's a retired NYPD officer who has held many prestigious positions during his more than 20-year career. Now he's a law and police science professor at John Jay we were just reading an article, and it's everywhere now, that there seems to be a mass exodus of NYPD cops, whether they're retiring or quitting. Detective Jackalone, what the heck is going on? Hey, good afternoon. Yes, it's uh, it's really a dark time right now for policing, not only in New York City, but, of course, across the country. Um, and it's sad because the issue that comes down to is the people of New York will, will suffer, and they'll suffer greatly for this because, you know, because this – you don't have enough cops to cover what's going on. And why are they quitting or retiring in mass? I, I understand that there's certain cities sending up recruiting people and bringing them down to South Carolina, Tennessee, Florida. Is that what's happening, Detective? Well, I, you know, John, we don't know exactly who's going where because the, uh, the city or either the union doesn't really tell us that. So the, the real problem that you look at, listen, they always know how many people are going to retire based on the class sizes and when they're going to retire. Is it 22 years or 23 years, whatever it may be? So they already have that idea. It's the resignations that you have to look at. So the resignations are pretty uh, pretty high, and that's for people just leaving the police department before their time is up uh, for another job, whether it's policing or something else. And, and therein lies the problem. So 
almost as if some of the companies are saying, I could find something better in this economy uh, than, than be bothered with what's going on. Is it a respect thing? I mean, I just read an article about a guy who's been arrested 40 times and he's threatening MTA workers and they just keep releasing him. And then there was that other guy that they arrested. He had waved a knife at police. They arrested him. He spent only one night in jail, gets out and then stabs two people in the neck back to back. I mean, I could, if I'm a cop, I'm doing all this work. I'm risking my life, putting people behind bars and they're just getting back out on the streets. Well, I mean, that could be frustrating for sure, but I don't think that's the, the move behind some of this. So, for instance, if you look at the diaphragm law being put back into play, you're looking at the decision on qualified immunity where people can personally sue cops. This is something where you're, you're dealing with a lot of issues where cops are worried that, that district attorneys like Alvin Bragg are more interested in locking them up for making an arrest than for actually keeping criminals behind bars. And I think that's what's going on. The problem, uh, Detective, it's uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. Judge, explain what qualified immunity is. Qualified immunity would protect police against uh, a civil action against them. And they've taken that away. The New York City Council took that away. In other words, if a cop gets gets sued because, oh, that cop hit me in the face, and he decides to sue the cop for uh, a million dollars. Right. He could take so, his house. And, and, and the city used to protect. I do it nice and simple. People have to understand. Mm-hmm. The, the city used to defend them in the lawsuit. Is that correct? Yep. That's okay. Right. And now right. the city council is say, uh, are saying to the cops, uh, we don't have your forget back. Forget about it. We don't have your back. We so, don't have your back anymore. So, so if they argue, well, it's not. Well, a, what do you expect? Well, but if they argue, well, it's not going to be the individual cops assets that are liable, but the cities, that destroys a cop's career anyway. So either way, the, the cop is, is a loser. The problem, detective, is they've created a climate of lawlessness, of disrespect. Uh, cops in New York City are underpaid. I know for years they've been going out to, uh, to Long Island. These are, these are serious problems. Richard, I had the privilege of negotiating the contract for the sergeants in 2009, and I was shocked at the difference between what they get paid in the suburbs, what they get paid in, here in New York City in a much more dangerous job. No, it's, absolutely, it's absolutely awful. We need to rally around the men and women and law enforcement. I had dinner with uh, – Oh, somebody – listen, forget Somebody has to watch their back, and that's what they're nervous about. I, I agree. I had dinner well, with uh, four Detective other... Sergeant, what do you say? Well, no, I agree. And the, the fact about even making an arrest where you, you know, the, the way the diaphragm law is written, it's like you do anything to try to put somebody into custody, uh, you have, you're going to have a problem. And the issue that comes down to is then the qualified immunity will kick in after that, too, whereas the officer actually doing his or her job can get sued for it. And and then maybe get prosecuted. So if you're a police officer, you're sitting on the on the fence, going, "Well, what do I do here?" It's it's a real dangerous game that the city's playing. And you're getting spit in the face. You're getting attacked. And you have a city council. You have a you know that and doesn't state, have your back. And the state legislature. And, and, the, I, and as I said, I had dinner with four other Supreme Court judges the other night, and their eyes are bleeding, their heads exploding because of the so-called bail reform law. They can't hold people in who they deem to be dangerous because it doesn't meet the statutory requirements. This is a very serious situation. All right. What do we have to do? We have, the city council has to wake up and we've got to make the police department, the, the, the people in the streets feel like they're human beings and we're watching their back. They want less cops, the city council. The hell with them. That's what they want. Well, the okay. people in the communities want the cops. 
The right, police so department has defunded itself, and that's <clears throat> what we're doing. And it's going to continue, and it's only going to get worse. And then calls for service will suffer and everything else that you have to deal with, even getting reports at the precinct levels. Uh, there is just uh, the domino the effect that's been put into place is going to be well, bad for New York City. We're going to take a survey, which, which city council people uh, are, are doing this, and we're going to let the community know. We're going to let everybody know. Uh, thank you, uh, Detective uh, Joseph Giacalone. Giacalone. It's Italian. I said it right. You're commuting home with Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. Before we get to Dr. Mikolos, who's going to tell us about a possible universal cancer vaccine, we're going to talk amongst ourselves. There's been a major ruling. A federal judge says that the Biden administration must enforce the law at the border. Judge Weinberg, Ed Cox, can you explain what happens? Well, we know we have the open border problem because the administration has not enforced it. We know that the Border Patrol people have been complaining that they're not getting any support and all they are is acting as babysitters. Then what happened is the Secretary of Homeland Security issued guidelines. He said, look, the only people we're going to deport are people who we deem to be public safety risk or national security risk. Okay. The fact of the matter is it's the obligation of the administration to enforce all the immigration laws, and this federal judge has told the Biden administration and this Homeland Secretary, you have to enforce all the immigration laws, you have to protect the border. So between Title 42, the federal judge from last week that said that you cannot get rid of Title 42, right, and this federal judge is two different federal judges. Exactly right. That this federal judge is saying that Biden and administration obey the law, protect our borders. What say you at cost? <laughs> Biden's going to obviously appeal it. And it, 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 he wants these people pouring across the border. The problem is the officers who are babysitting them, they then don't stop the drugs and the illegal things that are pouring across the border. My understanding is that the Biden administration wanted to limit the number of people they could even arrest, the Border Patrol. And this judge said, no, you can't limit you can't limit who arrest. If if they're dangerous, if they're a criminal, you got to arrest them. Who are you to say? The Biden administration is saying that we don't care about America's borders because they want us to be invaded. He's supposed to he's supposed to protect our borders. Most respect, by it? the way, the world has heard him, and that's why people are showing up at the border and crossing the border. That's right. Because he gave him an open invitation to come to the United States. This is an abdication of his responsibility to enforce the law. I think it's worse than abdication. I think this is aiding and abetting, if we're going to use the oh, legal absolutely. terminology. Absolutely. What do you think, Ed Absolutely. Cox? He's an accomplice to this. He's an accomplice to the undermining of our democracy. Because well, you know that's true, Lydia, because, look, they're sneaking the people in in these overnight and flights in the middle of the night. And flying them around at 3 o'clock in the morning. Exactly right. So, so what does that tell you? That tells you there's intent to violate the laws. Right. When oh. you're doing something in the middle of the night and you're doing it under a cloak of secrecy, it means you know you're doing something wrong, right? Exactly right. My, like my mother says, nothing good happens after midnight. <laughs> Let's go to Dr. Peter Mikolos. We've been teasing this all along. There is this incredible story out. There could be a possible universal cancer vaccine. Dr. Mikolos, tell us all about it. Well, what's very exciting is that in the uh, leading reference of science in the world, Nature, they published an article discussing a universal cancer vaccine. Scientists up at the 
Dana-Farber Cancer Institute have been working on it. And basically what happens is when we have a damaged cell and it knows it's been damaged and its chromosomal DNA has been damaged, it puts out this thing called a kill-me protein that then tags it so that our own immune system can attack it and clean it up with what we call our T-killer cells and natural killer cells. So what basically a cancer cell does is it sets up this uh, cloaking device so that the immune system can't see it, and it puts out this protein, and it's like a force field around it. So what this new vaccine has done, basically, it attacks cancer cells by decloaking and shutting down the force field that it creates around it, and then makes the cancer cell visible to our own T-killer cells and natural killer cells. And basically, you're removing the tumor's invisibility cloak, and now it's been, in the study, proven in mice, and they did it on melanomas and breast cancers, and it even worked on metastasis, and it's been tested in monkeys as well, and human clinical trials will be starting shortly. So, Dr. Mikolos, a lot of people don't realize that we all have cancer cells, but where we, you're t- we do, except we do. don't have that cloak. Like some people, they don't have the, their immune system doesn't recognize the cancer cell to kill it, and so what you're saying is that this vaccine would make our immune system be able to see the cancer cells and kill them before they multiply throughout the body. Right. A cancer cell wants to survive, and especially if it's in an area that's difficult to get to. That's why glioblastomas, for example, in the brain, because of the blood-brain barrier, it's very difficult to get cells up to kill tumors that are in the brain. And the same thing in the center of our abdomen, the pancreatic tumors, they're also very difficult and they're invisible to the immune system sometime and that's why this is going to be a game changer because conventional therapies don't work well against those cancers. We do have right now these uh, centers for personalized uh, cancer vaccines and basically they're taking a biopsy of your tumor and then custom making a vaccine to each uh, specific person's individual tumor because every cancer cell has its own genetic mutations and uh, you know, while we're sleeping, doctors here, right here in New York at Columbia University, Sloan Kettering, places like Duke, and uh, obviously the Dana-Farber study are making these personalized vaccines, but that could take weeks, and it can cost a tremendous amount of money. So this is an off-the-shelf universal cancer vaccine that attacks one specific spot, the ability of cancer cells to protect themselves from the immune system's, you know, clean-up killer um, activity. And that's why we also talked about why people who intermittent fast and let their gut rest have less cancer because while we're sleeping and our our body and our gut is not focusing on digesting the last steak we ate, it's focusing on making those T-killer cells and natural killer cells and going after cancer cells. So that's you know, very exciting news, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with these universal cancer vaccines and the great work that came out of Boston at Dana-Farber. It seems like we're moving at warp speed on uh, uh, all kinds of uh, medical research. What about that, doctor, what about that screening test for heart attacks based on an eye exam? Could you explain that? Well, the the thing with that study is it has not been uh, peer-reviewed yet, but it is interesting because they looked at basically 500,000 charts and they looked at images of the back of your eye. Right now in ophthalmology, which is the window we see the back of the eye, which is the window to systemic disease, when we see somebody has narrowing of the arteries, we tell them, How's your blood pressure? And they say, oh, I don't know. And then you arrange for them to take it, and it's sky high. Because when the blood pressure is up, the vessels appear very narrow, and sometimes they tend to branch out. And what they found is when people have an above-average amount of narrowing and uh, branching blood vessels, they found that those people, it was a predictor 
through the medical records they looked at in the past of having a heart attack, and they basically, for people over 50, and they adjusted for smoking, obesity, your BMI, and your blood pressure, and they found that they could predict whether someone would get a heart attack. So it might be something with artificial intelligence now, when they look in the back of your eye, take a picture, put it in through the computer program, and it measures the branching and the narrowing and the size of those retinal vessels, and it might help tell people, hey, listen, you need to go get an EKG, you need to see your cardiologist, which is something we already do now based on clinical observation, but this will be a more standardized method with benchmarks that we'll actually be able to do as a routine thing in an office. But right now, ophthalmologists, you know, we see in the back of the eye, you can sometimes see people and tell them that they possibly have AIDS. If you see CMV retinitis, you can see toxoplasmosis, you can see syphilis in the back of the eye. Sometimes it has certain signs, sarcoidosis and other diseases can show up in the back of the eye. But wow. this is another <laughs> advance that's happening. And uh, thank God for uh, technology and uh, and the research and development money that's going into these companies because once you start stop the R&D money, that's why we're not seeing any new fantastic things coming out of uh, socialized medicine countries. But we're in you know, a free society and people are spending and investing money and taking risks and we're coming out with these amazing things and also philanthropy. A lot of these cancer institutes are funded by American philanthropy from a lot of men and women who are writing. Dr. Mikolas, before we have to go, in her too, that's a new breast cancer drug. It has unheard of survival. It's an incredible drug trial. Can you tell us a little bit about that one too? Yeah, well, basically uh, different cancers, uh, types of breast cancers have subtypes and some of them are uh, more susceptible. For example, they have certain receptors on them called estrogen receptors and depending on the tumor, and again, we talked about before, you biopsy it, you see certain tags on that cancer and then that drug will work against a certain subset of those types of cancers and slow down the production. And again, we now know estrogen helps to stimulate many different types of breast cancers. That's why Japanese women and Japanese diets have very low breast cancer rates. When they adapt our American diet with the uh, estrogen-laden beef that we eat, uh, then, you know, you start seeing an increased number of uh, cancers happening because a lot of these cancers are sensitive to uh, hormones and this uh, new drug can attack and block those receptors and basically blocks multiplication of those types of uh, wow. breast cancer wow. cells. Wow, doctor, all that stuff going on in our body. Oh, my God. A lot of stuff. Well, <laughs> Dr. Mihalos, thank you for bringing us up to date. And uh, Judge uh, Weinberg, thank you. Ed Cox, Lydia Serrani. And uh, what do we stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and, and the American, American way. way. And thank you, and may we... Uh, have God bless uh, all New York, our, our whole country, and we need a blessing because we really do. And I went to church and I lit candles this weekend. God bless America. Thank you. WABC Radio is proud to celebrate 100 years. From October 1st, 1921, to music radio, to talk radio's crown jewel, worldwide and beyond. W-A-B-C.